Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. Mark chapter number five, we are beginning a a series this morning on generosity. Uh, Now, generosity or being generous is a a mark of a believer. As as we saw in in 1 John, uh, God has given everything to us. There is nothing that, and this isn't just true for not for believers, it's true for everybody on earth. There is nothing that anyone has on earth that does not come from God. You look at, at people like you know Elon Musk, uh, one of the wealthiest men in the world, who uh, is you know blowing up rocket ships because he's trying to get us to Mars for some reason. Uh, but you know what? He's like, oh man, he's got the intelligence to do that. He's got the the capability. He's got the money to do that. Man, he's a self-made man. Well, no, he's not. Even if you know he his money came from family, but even if it didn't, everything he has is a gift from God. God's given us everything that we possess, everything that we enjoy everything that we can can have in our lives, everything has been given to us. And as followers, we are to live like Jesus who gave everything for us and everything to us, and we are to live life, uh, as one commentator says, with open hands, where everything God gives us, you know, we tend to hold on to it, especially in in our country. You know, we all, you know, how many of you have attics at your house with stuff in it that you probably haven't used in, in years. I've got stuff in my attic I haven't used since I moved in and put it in the attic and have not taken it out of the attic since I moved in. They won't well, just get rid of it. Well, you know, my wife won't let me. Uh, but we all have we have stuff in the attic. I've got stuff in the and and you know stuff in the sheds. We've got storage facilities. You know, one of the the biggest growing uh, businesses in America is storage facilities. They'll empty out these old buildings, make them storage lockers, and why? Because we all have too much stuff, but we don't want to get rid of our stuff, so we, we store it in attics, we store it in basements, we store it in sheds, we rent facilities to store it in because, God forbid, we just well, get rid of it. We just give it to someone else or move it along or whatever. We, we've got to hold on to it. And so God, as the followers of Christ, he wants us to live life with open hands. Where, yes, I'm not saying that everything you have, you have to give away. And I'm not saying that if you've got a, a nice car, and someone comes up to you and says, well, I don't have a car. Give me your nice car. That as a believer, you say, well, yeah, sure, here's my nice, here's my car. No, no, no. But if you've got one sitting around you ain't using, they're like, well, you know what, I, you, can, you can have that, or I'll, I'll give you a good deal on that. I'm not saying just, you know, be, be a doormat. But we are to look for opportunities to be a blessing to other people. If you Google the words weight loss pill, you're going to get over 150 million results hundreds of millions of websites that make the promise to give you a better body, a better lifestyle, just by taking a simple pill. And a lot of times, too many people buy into it. Last year, over $33 billion, that's billion with a B, was spent on weight loss products. But at the same time, the Food and Drug Administration reports that almost 40% of Americans are overweight. You know, our world is full of miracle cures that never really deliver on their promise. And you, you should be skeptical when something appears too good to be true. So with that in mind, uh, I'm going to offer you, we're going to start looking at some things that can, can, 
honestly, legitimately, radically improve your life in every area. We're going to look at it can make you happier, it can make you more fulfilled, but it can also give you a legacy that lasts beyond your lifetime. You know, the reason so many people fall for uh, miracle weight loss pills is because we all want the best version of ourselves. We all want to be the best possible version of ourselves that we were, that we can be. And that's, that's natural. We were created by God to be happy, to be fulfilled, to, but we were also created to live for more than just our, ourselves. And the Bible gives us a clear path to living a fulfilled life, a joyful life, a meaningful life. And it's, it's not just uh, an empty promises. It is a path that God promises us. If you follow these steps, you will be happier, more fulfilled, and have a lasting impact on the world around you. And the path can be summed up in one word, generosity. Generosity. So we're going to begin a three-week series looking at the generous life. See, living generously, living a generous life, it opens you up to the best life possible, sets you on a path of happiness and purpose. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what generosity is. So we're going to start by looking at what generosity is, but first by showing you what it is not. Generosity is not just about your money. So rest easy, let go of the checkbook. I'm not just sitting here saying you've got to give all your money to the church, you've got to give all your money to the poor. It's not just, our, it's, this money is part of it. Money is part of it, but it's not all that generosity is. A generous life involves every area of your life. Here's an example. You can be generous with your thoughts towards other people. Hey, what do you mean? How many of you have ever been in a store, probably Walmart, and you see someone and you think, what's wrong with that person? You ever done that? Well, come on, y'all know you have. You've been in Walmart, you've seen someone walking around in pajamas in the middle of the day with curlers in their hair, and they're dragging two or three or four screaming kids behind them. You're like, what is wrong with that person? We've all fought it. You, it's always at Walmart. You never see that at Target. But Walmart, you're like, what is wrong with these people? Maybe there's someone in your life that no matter what, you just every time you see them, you're like, man, I just I don't like that person. I, don't, I can't stand that person. Again, I'm not saying you've got to love everybody and be good to everybody, but be generous with our thoughts. The Bible says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus goes on to explain everyone's your neighbor. That means giving people the benefit of the doubt. But not only be generous with your thoughts towards other people, you need to be generous about your thoughts about yourself. You need to view yourself as God views you. That means those negative thoughts we have about ourselves, and we all have them. I wish I could do this better. Wish I could do, wish I had that. Wish I had this. And we, I can't believe I would say that. I can't believe I would do that. We have these negative thoughts about ourselves. And negative thoughts about yourself means you have an incorrect view of God. You need to view yourself as God views you. We need to be generous with our words. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one that speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Is health. We need to use our words to encourage people. 
to lift people up. Look, we are great at using our words to tear people down. You can hurt people with your tongue severely. You know, that, there's that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words hurt. And too many of us, we use our words to hurt people. We need to use our words to encourage people, to be a blessing to people, to help build people up. We should and can use our words to correct people, to give truth, but too many times, you know, the Bible says we give truth in love. Too often we're good with the truth and we hold all back on the love. Yes, use your words to correct. Use your words to guide. Use your words to direct, but use your words in love to encourage them and bless them as you're doing it. Be generous with your words. Be generous with your influence. Everyone here has influence over someone else. You've got someone that looks up to you, someone whose life you can impact. And most of us would not be here today if it weren't for someone exercising influence on us. So be generous with your influence. Be generous with your time. You know, one of the, sometimes one of the best things you can do for someone else is just give them your time. And not, 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 you know, I'm not saying give them your time to help them move. That's the best thing you can do, and that's the worst thing you can ask someone to do is, hey, help me move today. My brother's moving to North Carolina and texted me the other day, hey, can you help me move this weekend? I'm like, no, uh, no, I'm busy this weekend. Oh, what about, he kept giving dates. I'm like, every day I'm busy. I'm not driving up to D.C. to help you pack and then driving out of North Carolina to help you unpack. I love you, bro, just not that much. But, you know, be generous with your time. Sometimes the best thing you can do to someone for someone is just, just listen to them. Just mourn with them. Celebrate with them. Give them your time. We can be generous with our attention. You know, we live in a world that everyone seems to have attention deficit disorder. We are focused on everything but what we should be focused on. How many of y'all have ever talked to someone and you've just, you know, they're not fully engaged in what we're talking about here. They're not really listening to me. They're not, you know, they're, they're sitting there going, uh-huh, uh-huh, but they're not, they're not engaged. And it makes you, it makes you feel not less than. It makes you feel unworthy. But it makes you feel great when you're talking to someone and you can tell they're fully engaged in what we're talking about here. They're fully engaged in what's going on between me and them. So be generous with your attention. Uh, we, you know, be generous with our belongings. Again, we all have stuff that we can use to bless others, but we just want to hang on to. And of course, be generous with your money. Generosity softens your heart. Generosity makes us more like Jesus. And when we're generous with our money, it takes the focus away from me so I can put it on other people. But here's the point. Yes, generosity does involve your money, but it involves so much more than that. Generosity is about everything you are and everything you own being used to be a blessing to people around you. And since we can honestly, biblically say generosity isn't just about money, that means generosity is for everybody. Every one of us can be generous. You don't have to be rich to be a giver. You don't have to be a millionaire to be generous. To be generous. The requirements for generosity are simple. Identify an opportunity and take action to help. Just identify opportunities around you and take action to work on those opportunities. And if you do that, if we live a generous life and are just aware 
of ways we can be a blessing, then we'll have incredible impact on the world around us. And so the path to a generous life is awareness, action, and impact. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look at these and unpack these ideas. But this morning, we're going to look at the first step, which is just awareness. You know, stop and think about how much you experience on a daily basis. How many people you interact with on a daily basis. There are, there are sights and sounds and tastes and smells all around us. You know, research tells us that our senses never stop working. Even when you're asleep, your senses are still, still going. You know, we are literally sensing things all around us all the time. And so we tend to live in a, a state of kind of sensory overload. Our brains are always working to kind of categorize what senses we're experiencing and how important they really are. Because we experience so much on a daily basis, we're really only aware of a fraction of them that affect us in our life. You know, we are experiencing things every day without actually being aware of those things. And our, our brain's efforts to, you know, categorize our experiences around us and kind of put things in categories around us, it really makes it harder for us to be fully present in every moment of our lives. But Jesus never missed a moment to be a blessing to someone. He used every opportunity that he had to impact the world around him and to be generous to those around him. So let's start reading in Mark chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse number 21. <coughs> Mark 5, 21, it says, And when Jesus was passed over again by, the, by ship into the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee. Come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. So let's get a little bit of context of the story here. This, this interaction with Jairus here is happening immediately after Jesus has healed a man who was possessed by demons. This is a man that's living in the, it's called the Maniac of Gadara. He's living in a, 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 a cemetery. Uh, people have tried to restrain him. They've gone in and arrested him, trying to help him because he's, he's mentally unstable. They've chained him up, but he's broken the chains. He's running around naked. He's biting people. He is, he is a terrifying individual that is, has, is so scary and so frightening that people don't even go to the cemetery anymore. And Jesus goes to this man. This man comes running up to him, and Jesus immediately recognizes the demons in him and casts out these demons and heals this man. It's an incredible miracle. People see this man sitting next to Jesus, sane, clothed, paying attention, not going crazy, trying to bite people. And it's an incredible miracle of Jesus. Right after that, he goes across the sea. As soon as he comes, gets out of the, 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 the ship, a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. Jairus is a very prominent person in this society. He's wealthy. He's well-known. He has power over a lot of people. He's very influential. He comes to Jesus 
falls at his feet and says, Jesus, my daughter's sick. I know you can heal her. Will you please? She's at the brink of death. He doesn't come to her and say, hey, my, my daughter's kind of got the sniffles. It's not a big deal. When you have time, can you maybe come and, you know, take away this cold? No, he goes, she's about to die. And if you don't intervene right now, she's going to die. And Jesus sees this opportunity, sees this incredible need, and he goes with her. He goes, of course, let's go right now. He doesn't say, he doesn't do like, he, you know, we saw a couple weeks ago during Easter uh, when, you know, he gets word from Lazarus at the brink of death. Jesus doesn't say, ah, don't worry about it. I, you know, it, it'll be good. I'll, I'll take care of it later. I'm going to kind of lollygag Jesus. Goes, no, let's go right now. Immediately, let's go take care of this problem. He immediately drops what he's doing and follows Jairus to his house because Jairus has a vital, important, urgent need. Look at verse number 24. <clears throat> and Jesus went with him, and much people uh, were thronged, uh, followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but grew rather worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came, to the, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch, but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So Jesus, he, he's on his way to help a prominent, influential, important person with a vital, immediate need. His daughter is dying right now. If he doesn't do something right now, his daughter's going to die. Now, can Jesus raise her from the dead? Of course he can. We've seen him do it, but that's not what his plan is right now. His plan right now is, I'm going to go heal her right now. He's on his way with an important, prominent man for an urgent need, and this woman, and I'm not saying she's not important, but she, you know, she's important to somebody, but she's had this issue of blood. She's had... Uh, kind of a very, uh, she's had menstrual bleeding for 12 years. This is, she, she's desperate. She's tried to fix this for 12 years because of the Jewish law and her illness. She is considered ceremonially unclean, which means she can't be around anybody until she's not ceremonially unclean. She can't be touched by anybody, which means her husband, her children, her parent, no one can hug her. No one can be around her. No one, she's really, because of her illness, not because of anything she's done, she's not, you know, committed some great sin, and so society's, because of her illness, she is kind of shunned from the society, from culture. She shouldn't even be in the marketplace that day. But she's desperate. Now, her need's very important. Her need is vitally important to her. But her need's not urgent. I mean, can we see that? She's, she's dealt with it for 12 years. A couple more minutes ain't going to kill her. She's not on the brink of death like Jairus' daughter is. Now, she doesn't go and throw herself in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. She just goes and touches the hem of his garment, knowing if I can just touch him, just touch his clothes, I'll be She touches his garment, and he's immediately healed. And it's an incredible 
incredible miracle that God does for her. So she walks by, she makes a bold and desperate decision, reaches out, touches Jesus' clothing, and immediately is healed. Now Jesus, again, he's in a hurry. He's on the way to Jairus' daughter. It's an urgent situation. Time is of the essence. So what does he do? Look at verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? He stops everything. Can you imagine how Jarius feels right now? We're on the way to save my daughter's life. You're surrounded by all kinds of people. Everyone's touching you. And you're going to stop and ask, who touched my clothes? Is that really as urgent as my daughter dying? My daughter's about to die, and you're going to heal her, and you're going to, you're going to fix her, and you're, you're stopping to say, who touched me? This, this makes no sense to Jesus. makes no sense to the disciples. Now, this, the opportunity to heal this woman, to be a blessing to this woman, it's, it's subtle. It's not pressing. She's already received the She's touched his garment. She's been healed. She's getting the blessing that Jesus has promised her. So she's already received the blessing from him. He could have kept going to Jairus' daughter, healed her, and it'd still be a great story. And everything would have gone on with that, and it would have been fine. But he stops what he's doing to, take, to, to do something incredible. The opportunity is so small and subtle that no one would have blamed him if he kept going, but he doesn't. Verse 31, And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest a multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? He looked round about to see her, and had uh, her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole from thy plague. Now, Jesus responds in an incredible way, and I want us to focus on verse 30 uh, for a minute. Look at how he responds in verse 30. It says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched me? Who touched me? Now, most of the time, and we've, we've looked at this passage before, and we focused on verse 34 where he calls her precious daughter and accepts her, and, this, and we, can, we can spend a whole series looking at how incredible... Jesus is what he's done for this girl who's been rejected and shunned by society. He is calling her precious daughter and welcome, and a great, beautiful picture of salvation. But first I want to look at verse 30, and that one statement, who touched me? This is a profound statement when it comes to, when it relates to living a generous life. Again, picture it. He's in a crowd. He's thronged by hundreds and hundreds of people. He's on an urgent mission to save a little girl's life, a important person. And look, doing a miracle for Jarius, and he does, he does heal her. But, you know, winning Jarius to him and Jarius accepting him as his Savior and Jarius converting to, to, to believe Jesus as Messiah is a huge thing because of his influence. This, this one man can help get the gospel to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Jews. This woman, she can't get it to anybody. She's insignificant in society. But Jesus stops what he's doing, 
and immediately uh, looks for an opportunity to be a blessing. And the disciples, they're shocked by the question, you know, Jesus, why are you asking who touched me? That's like, you know, uh, if you go to uh, Walt Disney World, uh, you know, it's crowded. You're walking through, you know, the Magic Kingdom. People are bumping into you. It's a very crowded place. That'd be like me walking through Disney, getting bumped by everybody and saying, who touched me? Well, everybody did. You know, that's, that's why I don't want to go to Disney. I don't want everybody touching me. I don't like crowds. But here's Jesus. He's sitting in this crowd. And he's like, who, who touched me? And they're like, why are you asking that? Literally everyone is touching you. But why did Jesus single out one insignificant, non-urgent, sick woman when he could have gone and should have gone immediately to help Jairus in his dire situation. How was he so aware of what was happening around him that he never missed an opportunity to be a blessing? He never missed an opportunity to be generous. And as followers of Christ, he is our example about how we are to live in this world. So if Jesus was aware of the needs of others around him, we need to be aware of, their, aware of their needs too. You know, most of us, we live incredibly busy lives. You know, we have things coming at us from, from every direction. Some of them are urgent. Some involve people that, you know, are, are very close to us and important to us. Some of them are, are right in our face. So how do we have the same level of awareness that Jesus did with this, this, this woman. Well, we're going to look at three things this morning. First thing we're going to look at is awareness activates generosity. Awareness activates generosity. The first step to living a generous life is to be more aware of what's happening around you. Be more aware of the needs that are around you. People who, who are living generous lives, they, they have their antenna up all the time. They are always aware of needs and burdens and problems and situations around them that God can use them to be a blessing with. The disciples in the story are right. Everyone is touching Jesus at that moment. In our lives, we are, we are always intersecting and interacting with people all the time. But until we become aware of needs around us, we're never going to become a generous people. So how do we do it? How do we become aware of the opportunities of generosity around us. Well, here's the second point. Not only does awareness activate generosity, but number two, we need to ask God to make us more generous. One of the best ways to become more aware of needs around you is to, before you get up and start your day or get out and go out into the world, ask God, say, God, show me the needs around me today that I can be a blessing. Show me people today I can help. Show me someone today I can be a, an encouragement to. Show me someone today I can be a blessing to. Show me someone around me that I can be used to show your love to them. Ask God to make you more aware of opportunities, and then ask God to help make you more generous. Prayer is essential if we're going to be generous because prayer helps us see the needs around us. Look, our, lot, our world is noisy, it's busy, and if we're, if we're completely focused on ourselves and what we're doing, 
we're never going to see the opportunities God has for us. Because here's the thing, every, every problem that comes up in the life of a believer, it's not a problem, it's an opportunity for God to use us for his glory, for his kingdom. Every opportunity that comes up and every need that comes up, not just in our life but in someone else's life that God shows us about, is an opportunity for us to show a lost and dying world the love of God. Listen, you know, God wants us to see the opportunities around us. Look at what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What Paul's saying there is don't allow the world to shape how you think. Don't allow the world to shape opportunities you look for, but allow God to show you opportunities in your life. Because look, if, if I'm honest, if we're honest, if I were to just allow the world to control every time I thought, well, there's, a there's someone I can be a blessing to, I'm very cynical. And so when people come to me for needs, I'm very cynical. It's like, well, yeah, you got a problem, but let's face it, you got yourself in this situation. You know, you, you did this to yourself. And I, I'm very cynical. It's like, well, you know what? No one helped me when I had that problem, so no one's, I'm not going to help you. And so we need to change how we think. So we pray for God to show us things. But then the third thing I want to look at, how to become more uh, generous, is awareness starts with a different perspective. We start by looking at things differently. See, our nature is to walk through mode, life in, in selfie mode. Being self-focused and self-centered is our default setting. It keeps us from being aware of, of needs and opportunities to be generous around us. So we need to start asking God to show us opportunities and to help us become aware of opportunities around us. And we do that by spending time with God. If we're not faithfully in the Word of God, if we're not faithfully praying to God, then we're not going to see the needs around us to be generous to others. God created us to be generous in the first place. See, God, and it says all throughout Scripture, God does not bless you just for you. God blesses you so you can be a blessing to other people. We see it all the way back to Abraham, where God promised Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you a mighty nation, you're going to have children that outnumber the stars of the sky, outnumber the, the sand of the sea. I'm going to give you a, a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to make you a great and mighty nation. But he said, I'm going to do that so that through you, all the world could be blessed. So I'm going to send the Messiah through you, Abraham, not just for your family, but for the whole world. God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others around us. So if we make a commitment, to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for opportunities around me. I'm going to pray for you to open my eyes to show me how I can, can, can be more generous. We're going to start seeing opportunities in your life how you can be more caring, more loving, more generous to others. But here's the thing. They were always there. The opportunities were always there. We just didn't see them. We had to change our perspective. Now, before Jesus encounters this with this woman, before he goes and meets this woman and he helps Jairus, he got up early, he got alone with God, and he spent time praying. Prayer 
aligns our heart with God, and prayer changes our perspective so we can live a life that is Holy Spirit-driven and aware of things around us. Because here's God's heart, and here's what, what, what Jesus is doing, here's what Paul says, here's what John says, here's what all the New Testament says. God gave up everything to purchase your salvation. He left heaven, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and absorbed the wrath of God for your sin, had literally went to hell for us we wouldn't have to, was buried and rose again three days later to save us. God gave everything for us. How can we say we have the love of God in us if we're not giving for others, if we're not being a blessing and living a generous life for others. See, as a believer, God wants us to be generous with everything he's blessed us with. He's given us everything. Again, he gave us his son to die on a cross in our place, to be buried and rise again three days later to redeem us. But even besides that, he's given us our, our health. He's given us our ability to work a job. He's given us every possession we own, everything. The Bible says the world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything we see, taste, touch, smell, experience, it's all God's. He's given it to us, yes, to bless us, but also to use us to be a blessing to other people. We need to be aware of the opportunities around us to bless others and to fill needs around us. Now, to do that, we're going to have to ask God to open our hearts and open our eyes to those opportunities. And when we see those opportunities, when we see those things God has put in our life to use us to be a blessing, don't ignore them. Even if it's, well, I'm going to do something pressing, Jesus is on the way to heal a woman who was on the brink of death. And he took time. He was generous with his time to be a blessing to this woman who... Society looking at, culture looking at, Jarius looking at. Says she's not. This isn't as important as my daughter. This isn't as urgent as my daughter. This could have waited. But she says, no, 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 I'm here to be a blessing to everybody. Take some time to see how we can be a blessing. Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.